Scripture reading comes from the book of Scripture reading comes from the book of Proverbs with selected passages. One who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. Many a person proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy person? Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. A friend loves at all times. And a brother's born for adversity. <sighs> While an incense bring joy to the heart, the sweetness of a friend is better than some counsel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Don't abandon a friend who is also a friend of your father. Don't enter your brother's house on the day of your calamity. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. <laughs> the heart knows its own bitterness, and no outsider shares its, in its joy. Many, is, many seek a ruler's favor, and everyone is a friend to one who gives gifts. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house Otherwise, he'll get sick of you and hate you. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. <laughs> one who is blessed, who, one who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be considered a curse to him. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The word of the Lord. <coughs> Thank you, Davis. It's a hard passage to read today. Let me get a quick confirmation from the crew up there. We're good over here now? In the, okay, if you need some more space for you or your family, the overflow room right here is open again and working okay. This fall, we're in a series on the book of Proverbs called Get Wisdom. We've been exploring how getting wisdom is the urgent need of the moment, of the time we find ourselves living in. In our current world with a pandemic, and on top of that, if that wasn't enough, all the division, all the discord, all the tension about so many different things, politics, history, race, personal rights, masks, vaccines, and more. We live in a very hard and a very confusing time. So many of us think because of this, what we need to get are the right health and safety answers when it comes to COVID. We need to get that. We need to get the right people elected. We need to get our rights protected. We need to get the right laws passed. We need to get the right people on our side who disagree with us. 
or we need to get the answers to show that our side is correct. But Proverbs tells us some of those things are important, but there's something far more important that we need to get. No matter what time or culture or situation we are in, we need to get wisdom. Proverbs 4, 6 says, whatever else you get, get wisdom. What we've seen the past few weeks is that you can't prove your wisdom on a written test. That's not at all what wisdom is. There is no wisdom SAT. And our high school students are like, yay, praise the Lord for that. Our wisdom is shown, our wisdom is proven in our relationships. How we use our words, how we handle and resolve conflict, what we do with our anger, and as we saw last week, our relationship to the poor and the needy in our communities. That's where our wisdom is shown. That's where wisdom is used. And there's one relationship that Proverbs speaks to more than any other book in the Bible. And this struck me this week. No other book, no other place in the Bible speaks to this relationship like Proverbs does. Some have said there's no work even in classical literature that exalts this relationship like Proverbs does. It's friendship. Even before the pandemic, it was widely acknowledged probably saw it all over the place, that we in the U.S., we in the Western world, were living in a loneliness epidemic. And so we went through a health pandemic while living through a loneliness epidemic. What does that mean? Well, some of the statistics would say over 70% of millennials and Gen Z, those generations, in 2019, so before 2020, felt a deep sense of loneliness. And 50% of those in Gen X and boomers felt significant loneliness as well. So more than half of every person in those age groups would say they felt loneliness. There has been a steady decline in the number of people who say, I have a confidant, I have somebody who knows me really, really well, a true friend. The number of people who say, I can't even give you one name, has hit 25 to 33%, depending on which statistic you look at. They say that loneliness has the same detrimental health effects as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now, early on in the pandemic, maybe this was true for you, it was for me, there was like a burst of reconnecting with friends. Maybe that happened for you. You were checking up on people you hadn't checked up in a long time. People were calling you, and there was a reconnection going on. And during that time when we were trying to figure out what is happening, all of a sudden, friendship became the highest thing on our list of priorities. Everything else took a back seat. Maybe that continued for you, but my sense is that it was kind of a burst for most of us, and as we tried to make sense of living in this post or mid or whatever phrase we use to talk about what we're living in right now in terms of COVID, in this stage, as we've tried to put kind of our lives back together, I think a lot of us are trying to figure out how does friendship fit into that? 
Maybe I can ask you today in your list of priorities, where would you rank friendship? Maybe you can answer that in terms of this is where I want to rank it. But as you look at your time, as you look at what you do with your life, where does friendship rank for you? Developing it, investing in it. Well, I want you to think about that question as we look at what Proverbs has to say about this relationship. There are four parts to the wisdom that Proverbs gives us that I see, and I want to walk through each of these. You can follow along. Page five in the bulletin has the outline. First, Proverbs says so much about the rewards and the power of friendship. Let's look at Proverbs 18.1. It says, one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. He rebels against all sound wisdom. First reward of friendship, wisdom. And if you've been with us the past few weeks, you know, according to Proverbs, the most valuable, the most important, the most precious thing you can have in life is wisdom. And here, Proverbs is saying, you cannot be a wise person without friendship. You cannot become a wise person in all the ways we've been talking about by individual learning and reflection alone. You can't do it by looking within yourself. You can't even do it by studying the Bible and praying all alone. You can't become a wise person that way. This proverb says, if we try to become wise on our own, we will always end up pursuing selfish desires, i.e., what I want to do. What I want to hear, I will hear, and I will do what I want to do. The book of James calls this type of wisdom selfish ambition. In James chapter 3, it says that doesn't come from God. That's earthly wisdom that comes from below. That is, James says, demonic. Another way, another way to say that is wisdom without friendship is not possible. Look at the second half of the proverb. It says, to live without friendship is to rebel against wisdom, to rebel against the way God has made us and designed us to live. The King James, the old King James version says, rage, rageth against all sound wisdom is the one who isolates himself. We're raging against the way God made us. In Genesis 2, when God said, it is not good for man to be alone. That's more than a statement about marriage. It is about that, but far more than that. It's about our humanity, male, female, single, or married. It is true that God is enough. And in some circumstances, that's all we have is God alone, and he is enough. But it is also true that God is not enough because he said it right there in Genesis 2, and that is how he made us to learn wisdom and friendship with others. Way back in the day, St. Augustine said, there are just two things that are essential. And by essential, he meant like really essential. <laughs> he said life is essential, meaning keeping yourself alive, eating, breathing, your heart beating. That's essential, right? And the other thing he said was friendship. He said with, if you just have life, if you're just dedicated to keeping yourself alive, but you don't have friendship, you're not really living. Proverbs says isolation 
is basically to not really live. Proverbs 13.20, it's not in the bulletin or up here, it says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise. So to neglect or undervalue friendship is to rage against wisdom. To walk with the wise in friendship is to become wise ourselves. Proverbs says nothing is more valuable than this. Next reward. Trustworthy wounds. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. One of the great rewards of friendship is trustworthy wounds. This proverb says that the person who's always kissing you and kissing up to you and telling you how great you are and always saying everything that you want to hear, that person, it says, is not your friend. That person is actually your enemy. They're just showering you with flattery. They're not interested in your ultimate good. They just want something from you. And that's not all bad. They want to have a good time. They want to be encouraged. They want to enjoy whatever shared interests you have. That's not all bad. But a true friend doesn't just want something from you. A true friend wants something for you. They want your maturity. They want your character. They want you to be all God has intended you to be. So if you think the kind of friend you really need is someone to affirm you, agree with you, always think exactly what you think, you don't really want a friend. You want another you. And just to hang out with yourself and say, aren't we great? Yeah, yeah, we all think the same thing. The friends who are always saying, you do you, affirm whatever you want to do and think and want. They're not your friends. That's just like having a parrot who is just squawking what you want. It's tough. It's risky. It's hard. It's sensitive to be honest, to wound somebody in love with honest and hard feedback. But if we don't just want something from someone, but something for them, we'll do it. Recently, a few years back, a little while back, I was dealing with something very difficult, and I said, I need to talk to some friends about this. I called six different friends who knew me pretty well. And five of them, they affirmed me. They said, you're doing everything right. You're doing everything good. You know, the problem's over there. And I was like, okay, okay. And that was very helpful and very encouraging. And then one friend I talked to, and I shared what I was going through and the difficult situation. And this friend said, did you think about, and I won't go into the details, but he basically called me out and said, maybe there's something here that you're not doing quite right. And at that moment, I was like, did you know what my, <laughs> the other five friends said? How could you say this? And it hurt. But it was exactly what I needed to hear looking back. And I'm thankful that he wounded me in that way. So wisdom, wounds, third, wedding. Okay, I'm excited. I learned a new word this week. It's wedding with an H. I always thought it was wet your appetite like wet, W-E-T. Like you make people salivate when you wet their appetite. But that's not the word. That's not the correct word. It's with an H, to sharpen or intensify. So a wedding stone, right, is how you sharpen a blade. You, you sharpen a knife on a wedding stone. This is one of the rewards of friendship. We are wedded. It sounds weird, 
but for the sake of alliteration, we have to do it. It's worth it. Wedding. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one person sharpens another. John Kitchen, a commentator on Proverbs, said this. He said, no person can be their best or reach the heights God intends for them without those blessed friends who comfort, provoke, challenge, rebuke, chide, affirm, stimulate, and encourage until their thinking is clear, their wisdom mature, their purpose refined, and their faculties sharp. All that is included in that wedding and in that sharpening. Without friends, the, the picture here is we're, we're dull, like a dull knife. Not like we're boring. We're not sharp. We're not who we are meant to be. We don't function according to the design and the purpose and the character that we are created to have. As iron sharpens iron. You know, that's not a very soft and fluffy image. That is two hard objects striking each other, having hard and honest and heart-level conversations. And that's how we sharpen each other. That requires that you bring your true self, your real self, into relationships, into the friendship. Not who they want you to be, not who you think you should be, but who you are. That's what sharpens people. And we bring ourselves. I'll say more about that in a minute. The rewards of friendship, wisdom, wounds, wedding, and one more W, withness. Okay, that's a made-up word. But Proverbs 7, 17, 17, 17. And what better word describes this? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. The reward of friendship is to have somebody with you at all times, in joy and sorrow. When you have a lot to give, when you have nothing to give. That's a friend. It's someone who is with you at all times. To love at all times, what does that look like? Well, think about that. Do you have somebody in mind? What does it mean to be somebody who loves at all times? Yeah, that person brings you sometimes just the right words. Sometimes they do the right actions, they serve you, but probably more than anything, it's just a tenacious and loyal presence that no matter what you do or where you go, I will be with you. As you look at this proverb, I think maybe what it's saying here is that a brother or a family member is born into a commitment with you. They didn't have any choice in the matter. And there's a great bond that uh, can be established in that. But they're born into a commitment to be with you in adversity. But a friend chooses. A friend chooses to be with you. No matter what, available at all times. Thinking about this and thinking about who, who are the worst friends in the Bible? Maybe Job's friends, if you know the story of Job. When he was suffering, they showed up, but they just showed up with words of explanation, which eventually became words of accusation, trying to make sense of his suffering. But one of the best friends in the Bible, as I thought about this, is Ruth. You know the story of Ruth and Naomi. They lost their husbands. Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law. And when Naomi was about to go back to her home, Ruth said, where you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried 
May the Lord punish me and oh, do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. That's friendship. It's powerful. That's witness. And how do we experience this witness with people, the sweetness of friendship? Proverbs 27, 9. I don't think that's on the PowerPoint, but it is in the list of scripture passages in the bulletin. You have to let people inside. And that's very vulnerable. You have to let people into the stuff inside yourself. Look at, oh, we don't have it up there, but look in the bulletin, 27, 9. Oil and incense bring joy to the heart. And the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. Self-counsel, what is that? That's what you think about. Self-counsel, it's what you're feeling. It's your emotional life. It's the reality of yourself. And Proverbs says that reality of yourself is not to be kept to yourself alone. That is loneliness. Loneliness, the best definition is probably being unseen and unnoticed. But to be seen and to be noticed, you have to let people in to yourself. So Proverbs 27, 9 says, as you will indulge in sweet treats this evening. If your kids are going out for Halloween, somehow you're probably going to get sweets somehow or another. And you're just going to be eating your favorites and picking through exactly what you want. As you indulge in that sweetness. So indulge yourself in deeper levels of friendship with those whom God has given to you. Your life will be sweeter for it. You won't be alone with the things that you carry in yourself. Someone will be with you. This quick application, practical point here. One of the most powerful things that we can do, in my experience as a person and as a pastor, is this. To share your story with someone else. Not just the facts of your story, but how you journeyed through your story with feelings emotions, the highs and lows, to share all of it with a trusted and safe friend, especially someone who can help you as they're listening to your story, help you see, help you discover the connections between your story and the great story, the story of creation, fall, redemption, and new creation. In Jesus. That's one of the most powerful things we can do in our lives for change and transformation. Summing up these rewards. These, war- these can be seen as the rewards and the fruit of friendship. They can also be seen as the building blocks of friendship. How do I become a friend? How do I develop friendship? Well, it's here. With honesty, with, loyal- with loyalty, with constancy, with witness, with vulnerability. These rewards of friendship, Proverbs is saying, there is no other relationship that can give you these rewards. It's unique. Friendship is unique in that it has to be chosen. Family, parents, siblings, even romantic relationships. Friendship has to be chosen and cultivated in those in order for these rewards to be enjoyed. One of the causes of increasing loneliness I believe, is we've forgotten this wisdom. We've forgotten the rewards of friendship. And a lot could be said about this, but maybe it's because so much emphasis is put on romantic, erotic love without friendship. 
But without friendship, that none of these rewards come about. You know, all the movies we have, all the music we have, if you put them next to each other and say, how much is about friendship and how much is about romance? You know, it's like this, right? Just, this is the romance one. Proverbs says you have to have friendship in order to experience these rewards. Well, Proverbs highlights the rewards of friendship like no other place in Scripture. You can stay alive without it, but you can't really live without it or become who God intends you to be without it. But Proverbs also speaks to what I'll call the risks of friendship, of seeking and cultivating something so valuable. Let's look at Proverbs 26, 19.6 and 17.9. One of the risks of friendship is that friendship, you can put it in quotes, can be deceiving. Proverbs 26 says, people can say they are your friend, but a person you can trust is rare. It's just making a statement of reality. A true friendship is a rare thing. It takes time for an all, an all, an all, at all times kind of friend to prove their trustworthiness. How do they prove that trustworthiness? They walk through you. Or through, they walk through life with you through all kinds of circumstances. And that takes time. And you can't know until you pass through these times with them. Proverbs 19.6. Sometimes we don't know if people are our friends just for what we give them. And when we don't have those things to give, when we go through adversity, their true colors are revealed. Proverbs 17, 9 says one of the tests of true friendship is when something happens between the two of you or something sensitive is shared between you and a friend, does that other person conceal it and keep it? Or do they share that in conversation with other people? A friendship, Proverbs says, it's risky because somebody who you think is your friend might not be, in fact, your friend. can be deceiving. Friendships, next, are discovered, not forced. And this is kind of a risk of friendship because if you hear about all these rewards and you say, I want that, or you feel the need for friendship, you say, I'm going to make some friends. Let me do this. Well, listen to these two Proverbs, and they can kind of make us chuckle. Proverbs 25, 17, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Otherwise, he'll get sick of you and hate you. That's well, pretty straightforward. <laughs> One who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be considered a curse to him. There are a few ways to interpret these. One point that I think these are making is that these people are trying too hard. They're acting like they're someone's friend and they haven't quite got there yet. Like showing up early in the morning and saying, hey, neighbor. And it's like 6 a.m. <laughs> no, I don't want you in my house. I don't want to see you at this time or at this hour. They don't understand the timeliness or the appropriateness for that person because they haven't taken the time to get to know them. So they're forcing it. C.S. Lewis has a, a great chapter in his book, The Four Loves, on friendship. He says, friendship, the dynamics of friendship are such that you don't go out just seeking friendship just to have friends and, and look around and say, I'm seeking friends. I got to go find friends. Who's going to be my friend? It doesn't work that way. 
Instead, friendship is one of those things that you find not by looking for it, but by discovering it. You discover that with somebody else, you see the same truths, he said. You see things the same way. You have the common loves and vision in life, and you discover it. And that's how friendship starts. For one of my uh, very best friends that I have in my life, uh, our friendship started one day. Uh, we were in eighth grade. We sat next to each other on the bus on the way to school, and we both pulled out our really dorky books that we were reading, and, you know, kind of like slyly, I pulled mine out, and he pulled his out, and I don't know who said it first, but you read those books too? Yeah, I do read these books too. And that's how it started, and we're friends still to this day. And that's how friendship starts. C.S. Lewis says friendship starts that moment where you have that moment with somebody, you say, you too? I thought I was the only one. It's discovered that way. If my friend sat down next to me in the bus and said, do you want to be friends? I would have said, dude, that's so creepy. No, go away, dude. You can't force it. And when we feel the need for friendship, we can kind of try to force it. We can be discouraged. So what do we do? Seek, seek out the things that are true and good. Follow those things, and you'll discover people who care about those things as well. Now, friendships can't just stay at this discovery level, staying at the level of shared interests, sports or movies or even theology or whatever. That doesn't bring the rewards of friendship. You have to invest into those friends that you discover. Third way that friendships can be risky, all friendships disappoint. Proverbs 14.10, the heart knows its own bitterness and no outsider shares in its joy. Proverbs 15.11, Sheol and Abaddon, those are words for the grave or death, lie open before the Lord. How much more human hearts. Everyone here, probably all of you have been disappointed by a friend before, even someone whom you count a dear friend now. They weren't there when you needed them. You felt like you were always the one initiating with them. How come they don't text or call me first? You shared something hard they didn't seem to understand. Or time and distance just cause you to drift apart. On top of all this, these Proverbs teach us that though a true friend can know us in profound ways, they can't know us exhaustively. They will misunderstand us. There will be disappointment. Only God knows the human heart exhaustively. And all this makes it hard and hurtful when two people who have their own selfishness and sin and issues come together, even the best of friends. We might miss each other. We might disappoint each other. Because it is difficult for us to be selfless, to always listen well, and to put aside ourselves for the sake of our friends. So there are many rewards. Life becomes life with friends. There are risks as we figure out how to develop this, how to make friends, how to find them. It takes time. Our friendships wax and wane. People move in and out of our lives. And we live in a time when we are connected to so many people, but it's so hard to go deep 
It's very hard to initiate and seek friendship. It's very hard to be vulnerable. There's always the risk that the other person just doesn't see things the same way. How can we keep at it? How can we keep from doing what Proverbs 18.1 tells us not to do, to isolate when we're hurt, when we're disappointed, to pull back, but to keep going and moving towards other people in friendship? Well, there is wisdom at the heart of the gospel that Jesus speaks to and provides for us. I want you to read Matthew eleven nineteen with me, if we could put that up on the screen. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, and the experts in the Bible at the time said this to Jesus, or this is Jesus responding to what they were saying about him. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, Jesus says always been a bit of a puzzle to me. What is Jesus saying? This is kind of mysterious. What does he mean? He is eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors, people that all the people at the time in the culture said, these are not the religiously faithful people. When the kingdom of God comes, they will not be in. They're on the outside, and Jesus was partying with them, and they said, what are you doing? Looks like you're their friend. And he said, I'm not going to refute that. He said, you will see the wisdom of what I'm doing. In other words, watch what happens to the people that I befriend. That's what Jesus is saying. Watch what happens to the people who know me as friend. Watch and you'll see the wisdom of what I'm doing. You think the way to get people into the kingdom of God is to set up a line. In order to cross into this line, here's what you have to do. Here's who you need to be before I will befriend you. Jesus says, I party with the tax collectors and the sinners. I enjoy them. They're my friends. Watch the rewards. They will become the people they were made to be. I will wound them in love with honest words, but they will be sharpened more than they ever dreamed. I will be with them. I won't give up on them like you have. He's saying to the leaders, I will be faithful to them. To the end, I will be their friend and watch what happens. What did happen? What happened with these people? Did they say, man, that Jesus guy, party guy. Let's go drink and eat. And that's what life is all about. Is that what happened to these people? Did they say, let's go back to tax collecting and sinning? No. These were the very people who by the power of their testimony, of their lives, they changed the world. This was the early church. These were the people who laid down their lives to introduce other people to Jesus. Why? How? All because Jesus befriended them. In John 15, 13, we can move to that slide. Jesus said, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. No greater love than this. This is the greatest love of all, friendship. Willing to die for your friend. 
Someone may lay down their life for their parents, their spouse, their kids. That's natural love. It's more instinctual. But your friend, to lay down your life and die for your friend, to exchange your life for theirs. Jesus says, that is great love. People will let us down. People won't get us. And we will do the same with the friends in our lives. Sometimes we won't be there for them in the way that they need. There won't be reciprocation. The gospel is this. Jesus is the loyal and faithful friend. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. This is the wisdom of the gospel. When Jesus befriends the sinner, it changes the sinner. Befriending the sinner doesn't condone the sin. Befriending the sinner changes the sinner. That's what happens with Jesus. He lays down his life for us, his friends, even though just as his friends betrayed him and abandoned him in his greatest moment of need, when all he said was just stick with me, just pray with me, no one was there, we too have betrayed and abandoned him in the same way. But here's the good news. Jesus died knowing all of that, knowing all of our betrayal, knowing all of our failure to love him as he has loved us. So if he laid down his life knowing that, what could you possibly do to stop him from being your friend? The answer is nothing. Here's how it all comes together. John 13, 12, 13, and 14. Jesus said, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. And then he said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, if your friend, one of your friends said this to you, you are my friend if you do what I command you to do. <laughs> what, are, what is happening right now? Who are you? Well, what is it that Jesus commands us to do? It's in verse 12. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Be a friend to one another as I have been your friend. This is the resource. This is the power. This is the place. We continue to move towards others in friendship. We can build friendships that bring those kinds of rewards, even with all the risks and the disappointment. Just a few final thoughts here. The real possibility of friendship. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I hope you see from what we've looked at so far, one, how central friendship is. There's no greater love. Two, how important it is for you that these rewards of friendship, there's no real living without it. And three, final thought, it's a real possibility. There is a friend. Proverbs is saying there is this kind of friend out there. It's a real possibility. So final practical thoughts. There's so much more I could say, but I'm running short on time. One, less is more. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Many companions is not the same thing as friends who stick with you. Because friendship, it takes time. Because it's so personal and deep, 
having quality over quantity is better when it comes to friendship. And so those are just decisions we have to navigate with wisdom. Less is more, but always leave space for more. Don't live in closed off cliques. Always be open to new friends. And a word to our church family. That should be at the heart of who we are as those who have been befriended by Jesus. Not saying, I'm good, I have a couple close friends, but always have an openness. God may bring new rewards into your life through new friends. Less is more, always leave space for more, and there are levels of friendship. Taken all together, what we've said, there are a few people with whom we can go to the deepest levels of friendship with. We can have true and real friends in our lives now who aren't at that level, but there's time, there's development, there's sharing that needs to take place. Some will remain at a a level of friendship that's not the deepest level, and that's okay. Some may become our closest friends. Some we may lose touch with and need to regain and reestablish that connection. The point I'm making is there are levels of friendship. Some of those friends will move down into those deep, deeper levels, and some of those friends at other levels will encourage us and bring those rewards and us bring those rewards to them as well. And that's okay. (laughs) Friends, Jesus said no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Because he did this for us, let's learn to do this for one another. Let's pray together. Jesus, to call you friend, it seems too casual, but you're the one who told us that is what we are, your friends. I pray this morning, as we've looked at these passages, and we're varying levels of places with the friends in our lives, I pray you would fill the lives of those who are lonely and in need of a friend, that you would provide those friends. I pray that you would help us all not to wait around and wait for people to befriend us, but to become the kind of friends that you have been to us. You didn't wait for us to initiate. You didn't wait for us to pursue you, but you pursued us. May this be a church community, a church family that is family, but also a community of friends. as we seek to invest in friendships that bring these kinds of rewards, help us to go deep into our friendship with you, bringing to you our true and full selves, knowing you know our hearts, you see it all, and you love us anyway, and you love us in all of it. As we come to your table, may we taste that once again. We pray this in your name, amen.